time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine, but there will be smiles and there will be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 800 years. It's time for death by video. recording welcome back to death by video word up my name's kit i'm phil and i'm graham and we are unfortunately missing lillian tonight uh she got called away on a not an emergency but just had to take care of some stuff um so this is going to be be a trio like the early episodes classic classic dbv yeah aka the bad old years um (laughs) When I'm just alone to defend these movies from Kit and Phil. So, guys, let's kick it off. Uh, before we get going, I just want to talk about morons for a moment. I'm generally okay with morons, but I hate it when morons fund other morons. So, have either of you guys ever heard of Mad Mike Hodges? Gosh, no. I can't say I have. No. Okay. He is a guy who entered the Guinness Book of World Records in the early 2000s when he jumped a stretch limousine 103 feet. And for the past decade or so, has been planning uh, to build his own rocket to go into outer space. Um, is this the flat earther guy? Yes, oh, it is. Yeah, I've heard about him. So he tried to get uh, to crowdsource money to build a rocket. Bob wanted to do that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah he's Bob's a flat, a flat earther. earther. Yeah. Yeah. He um, wanted to, but he he tried to do a crowd funding thing like a Kickstarter mm-hmm. where fan his they fans always would send fail. him to space. Yeah. yeah. And he would. Be able to prove it for himself because he can't trust anything. Yeah, because that's because we've known that the Earth has been around for two thousand years. Um, actually, spherical, not round. Um, but you know, these people—they didn't do it. Anyways, uh, Mad Mike Hodges initially was not a flat earther. Tried to crowdsource money to build his rocket. Could like only raised about three hundred bucks. Uh, then he switched to he converted to being a flat earther and spontaneously raised all of his funding for this steam powered rocket to go into outer space. Ah, so you think maybe this uh, flat earther biz is uh, it might be a bit of, of a, a ruse, sham. a sham? Although he said he is doing it with the sole a purpose grift? of proving that the Earth is flat. Because when he goes into outer space, he can take a photo of it to show that it is flat. Well, won't um, there be egg on his face when he finds out? Oh, there's been egg on his face for a while now. Or maybe there'll be egg on our face. Oh, <laughs> no, there won't be. No. Wow, we, we, no. Um, so anyways, he built a rocket. Back right in, uh, I think, 2014, he built a rocket and he fired himself a hundred and, or 1,300 and something feet and, and came to a spectacular landing that left him using a walker to get around in. Um, and this past weekend was supposed to be his big coup de grace, where he um, he launched himself on his steam-powered rocket into the uh, atmosphere, um, and he was using this one to prove that he could do it, so that then he could raise money to buy a hot air balloon 
that he could then shoot further rockets from up, but a mile up. So he wanted to have a hot air balloon floating at a mile off the Earth's surface to then fire another rocket up on. However, that... <laughs> yeah, morons, man. What are you going to do? Um, so anyways, uh, so Mad Mike Hodges, he uh, his whole plan is to fire off this rock, to fire himself into space on a steam-powered rocket so that he could, which was made from scrap metal, of course, um, to uh, to basically... Steam, is he going to be wearing, like, goggles and shit and the whole steampunk get-up? I, I get hope up? so. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, long story short, he was doing it so that he could then raise further funds to buy a hot air balloon so that he could launch a rocket from a hot air balloon a mile up off the Earth, which, if you know anything about physics, wouldn't end well for anyone involved. Um, however... Guess who doesn't believe in physics? Or no, he, Mike Hodges, when asked about like all the like uh, physics and aerodynamics and uh, rocket propulsion that went into this, he said, and I quote, "I don't believe in science." Yeah, well, I mean, if you're science not science, is science fiction. Much like insane clown posse. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are they flat earthers as well? Say it ain't so. I don't know if they're not no. flat earthers, but they just, according to the song "Miracles," they think they magnets are, are magical. Yeah, they yeah. don't want to talk to scientists. Well, apparently Bjork believes in magical elves that live on her island, so... That's fine. I, I'd take that over a flat earth, to be honest. Yeah. A little elf running around, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's more of a fun belief We to call have. them little like... people, god damn it. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. It's like people that still believe in fairies in Newfoundland. They don't really believe in yeah. fairies, but it's Unicorns, just fun. yeah. So anyways, after saying... It's like astrology, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so his follow-up quote to I don't believe in science was... Aerodynamics, rocket propulsion, those are just formulas. That's got nothing to do with science. I understand formulas. You just plug a number in and get the result out. So, um, does anyone have any idea of how his rocket uh, journey went over the weekend? It was a, a stunning success. Didn't even get off the ground. <laughs> Literally. Literally. So, Mad Mad Mike Hodges, keep on dreaming, you crazy dreamer. Um, so, get into filmmaking, Mad Mike. I'd like to see what... Uh... And he, he built this rocket... Because he's a limo driver. That's his profession, is uh, being a limo driver for $15 an hour U.S., which is pretty good. That's uh, that's like yeah. 20 bucks an hour Canadian. So um, I think you should just stick to limo driving. Because if he could save up enough money to build a rocket ship from his limo driving, man, you're, you've got some good financial skills. Um, anyways, that's to my comment on moran morons funding morons. Moran, yeah. Morans. Morans. <laughs> yeah, morons. Get a brain, morans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I should learn to speak uh, to speak before I uh, go off on my morons rant. Um, all right, guys. So, uh, has anyone seen anything good in the last little while? It's been a while since we recorded. Um, this is our feature tonight is going to be the first feature I've seen since our last feature. Oh, really? It's been that long. I've, I've been watching uh, all the like, TV content. Uh, what have you been watching, Phil? Devil's content. Yes, uh, tore through all four seasons of BoJack Horseman, Ooh. and mm -hmm. I've worth, been worth the... oh yeah, it's it it's a hair it's surprisingly harrowing. It gets progressively mm. darker with each season. Like it's it's still a very funny show, but like it gets goes to very harrowing places. Nevertheless, an excellent show. Um, and I've been working on episodes of Black Mirror. Cool. Yourself, Kit? All right, I watched a couple movies. What'd you watch? I watched uh, Thor Ragnarok. How was it? I've, I actually really wanted to see that one. Oh, it's it's good. It's good. I liked it. It's enjoyable. It's a fun movie, yeah. It's uh, better than the other Thor movies. I've seen them both, and they weren't great. But yeah. this one, like, you know, 
like watching a 90s show like X-Files or something like that and one episode crops up in the middle of the season that's unlike all the other episodes yeah that's kind of like this episode of this tone and, yeah. and and the way the characters behave yeah yeah very much like what this uh, film felt like which was fun mm-hmm. I enjoyed the ride but none of, none of it seemed very consistent with the rest I don't of know, the maybe movies. Maybe I'm. I'm, I'm just. Okay. I, I liked it. I, I enjoyed the shift. So I like I'm not the fact that they, I know. I like the fact that they're changing things up because it's just sort of like, why wouldn't you want Thor to fight the Hulk in a gladiatorial arena? That sounds awesome. You know, that's that's the whole point of having the shared universe of online of movie stuff. It's like if everything's just got to be a same corporate cookie cutter thing, why are you bothering to mix them all together? Um, but that's good. But it's also the comedic sensibilities mm-hmm. of um, of the director. Tataya Wiki Wiki. You could, do you have his pronunciation? Because I've never heard it out loud, and I don't. Oh, I Wakiki Willy Willy. It's um, like Taika Waikiki. I want to say something like that. Uh, yes, the writer yeah, the, and director and star of What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows, and mm-hmm. also he was involved with um, Flight of the Concords. Yeah. And I think he might have done Eagle versus Shark, which is a New Zealand film. Was that uh, him? He was. In, I think he was. Involved. That was starring Jemaine Clement, yeah. like a Napoleon Dynamite knockoff that they produced. Which yeah, was yeah. Fine, it was okay. Yeah, it wasn't that great. Oh, and what was the other film you saw? I saw the Post. Ooh. The Post. You got a little, uh, little class with your class. <laughs> How was the Post? It's fine. Yeah. It's really dry. I don't know. It's not it's a movie for our time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really takes itself seriously in that sense. Uh, like you got you got certain things like David Cross and Bob Odenkirk together um, working together in the film, which is fun to see mm-hmm. our our Mister Showboys uh, back together for the post. Yeah, and they're both good in it. Um, the the performances are fine. Meryl Streep uh, is reliably good. How's Tom Hanks, our nation's or the North American uh, number know. one it's, preserver it's, of typewriters? Apparently, he's playing a guy who's apparently got like an iconic way of speaking and and things like that. And I, I guess if you watched all the President's Men, there was a pretty good performance of the same character. I haven't seen all the President's Men. I have. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. So there's the Tom Hanks character overlaps with that film. Okay. It's, it's well, it's it's the same. But the the thing is though, the Pentagon the, it wasn't it overlaps, but the, the it leads right into it. Like I don't, I don't. It leads well, right whatever. into the Watergate scandal. Yeah, it does. Like it ends with that. Like here's be, a little stinger. Here's what's gonna happen mm-hmm. next. That, that like, would be uh, awesome if they actually like, <laughs> went back and like took bought footage from all the presidents men and had like the last scene of of uh of the post to be the first scene of all the president's men yeah. so because if they can do that shit yeah, in star wars, like, yeah, star come wars on, yeah. like like rogue one that killed me when when all of a sudden meryl streep's character just like kills Peter a bunch Cushing of newsmen. rose from the grave to be in rogue one that drove me insane and then when they initially then they right away announced afterwards when carrie fisher he's, passed he's away in rogue one a lot too. i know it's not even just like a oh from the distance like i'm surprised behind. you didn't get nominated for an award i know it's like <laughs> And the award goes to Peter Cushing, who's been dead for 30 years. Best Beyond the Grave performance yeah. goes yeah. to. It's, yeah, it's the only time where you start giving awards to holograms. Yeah. yeah. But the worst is like they when Carrie Fisher Hologram passed Hologram Christopher Plummer, you know? Hologram yeah. Christopher Plummer, is that He's what still comes alive. in? I'm still alive, goddammit. <laughs> Died years ago, surely. But the producers of Star Wars, when Carrie Fisher passed away, they said, we're going to respect, out of respect for the memory of Carrie Fisher, we won't be doing a digital version of her in, in future Star Wars films and everyone's like well, well they filmed well, her about, bits for the new one but what right? about what about Peter Cushing yeah. he's been dead for 30 years and you just felt it was, he's been dead long enough it was though. cool to bring him back <laughs> no one gives a shit about Peter Cushing that man killed Dracula a hundred times he's been dead long enough so yes it's okay they also threw dead um, Carrie Fisher into that as well. No, she was alive. That was that was her voice, and she she did the acting, and they just they just uh, painted over her face. Oh, I see. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched any Star Wars movies since The Phantom Menace, so I'm guessing they've used like Hologram or Guinness or... No, 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 he hasn't come back. No. Okay. Just they they brought back actual puppet uh, Yoda. In... They would just insert Ewan McGregor at this point. I mean, yeah. they have him. They've so. talked about doing that. Um, <laughs> Ewan McGregor's still alive. <laughs> He's yeah. still with us. I'm still alive, damn it. <laughs> We, anyway, yeah. that's that's what I saw. I saw the post and it was, yeah. it was fine. It's funny. Uh, John Carpenter's 70th birthday was a couple weeks ago. And on Instagram, uh, I forget who it was. Oh, it was Rotten Tomatoes. They said, like, John Carpenter would have been 70 years old today. And John Carpenter responded, like, contrary to my appearance, I am very much alive. And it's like, yeah, he's... Uh, so he's just kind of being... Uh, he's kind of like our um, the new Abe Vigoda. Yeah, or Mark Twain. Is Abe Vigoda finally dead? Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, he is yeah. officially dead now. Yeah, yeah God, we, we I thought I remember that happening. Yeah. There's a man standing out in front of his grave just to make sure he doesn't come yeah. out like one day. Um, and uh, yeah, so the post. All right. Um, I've seen a bunch as always. I saw The Phantom Thread. By the way, guys, I'm very sorry that I went without you. Hey, yeah. I had a very trying work experience and I needed to get away to see it. I still want to see that. Do you it's want to see that? It's quite good. Yeah, I do go see it. it. Go yeah. see it. Go see it. Go see it on the big screen, too. It's really good. I have seen, uh, yeah, Phantom Thread. I saw Good Time, uh, which it was all right. People, a lot of people have said like you're gonna love the hell out of it. I, I liked it. I think maybe because I saw it on home, like at home. It was one of the rare times I was hyperbolic about a movie. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Lots of people like that movie. It's on a lot of people's top ten lists. Um, I watched X Men Apocalypse because I wanted something on in the background. And the weird thing is that movie is a mess. Is that but, the? Uh... But How the concept, old is that? That's, that's the most recent one. That's the oh, two, that's that's 2016 the, that's one. That's not the X Men Three. No, no, okay. it's not X Men Three. It's it's uh, it, it bizarrely enough. Like I just love the whole concept of like there was this being that was worshipped as a god during ancient Egypt, and now he's back, and he's just like pissed that he's no longer a god, so he decides to take over the world. But they just messed it up. It's like all these cities get destroyed again. Like I don't. Modern day superhero movies drive me insane because it's never about preventing or saving a city from being destroyed. It's always about like, well, the city got destroyed, but we still stopped the bad guy. So uh, one out of two, that ain't bad. 50% here, folks. I remember Hancock, which I can't remember. I saw it and I, can't, I really can't remember whether it was shit or not. But that that was a large part of the plot of mm-hmm, Hancock mm-hmm. was like, man, Hancock's no good for our city because yeah. he keeps on destroying buildings. Yeah, and exactly. he attracts supervillains. Exactly. Um, I also saw the documentary 80 Blocks from Tiffany's, which was awesome. An early 80s documentary about um, gangs in the Bronx or South Bronx uh, in 1978. Uh, It was quite good. Um, I saw A Futile and Stupid Gesture, which is a David Wayne's uh, adaptation of the biography of Doug Kenny, the co-founder of the National Lampoon. Um... I hate um, those guys. Um, they the if, National Lampoon guys. Yeah, yeah, they're they're all assholes. If you ever like looked into it, like I believe it. Yeah. Anytime, anytime, because I watched the documentary. There was a documentary that came out uh, two years ago it's called a Harvard Thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Netflix has been really mm-hmm. shoving that movie down my throat. Yeah, you should watch it. Hate it because there was a documentary about it called Drunk or no, was it uh, Drunk Stone Brilliant Dead? Um, well, that coffee table uh, book about National Anthem. Yeah, yeah, they, they turned it into a documentary, and it was all these people being like, man, we were awesome, we were rebels. It's like, you guys were just making jokes about rape and being kind of racist and assaulting people, and that's not funny. And they, they did leave out of the movie the fact that Doug Kenny routinely thrust his penis into women's ears that weren't expecting it. Um, that old gag. That old gag that everybody just has a good chuckle over. Oh, yeah, the um, 
Yeah. It's very, it's an interesting thing because they're trying to make this a biopic, but like Doug Kenny's just not a good human being. He's just an asshole who treats everyone bad, lets everyone down, and then stumped like while doing a bunch of cocaine, fell off a cliff and died at the age of thirty-two. And then it, it, <laughs> That's also, a pretty like, funny way to it, die. <laughs> it, it, was, it was, it was, the best way for him to go. Um, I was kind of like, and I, and you know, the thing is, like, the, the film is pretty gallows, so I can say, like, when he died, I was like, oh, thank God, he's finally gone. Um, so this yeah. is just like an out of touch uh, puff piece for Doug. Kennedy. Pretty much, it pretty much is. It's kind of like trying to show, like, man, isn't this guy funny? They did the whole like, like character that's like spir- male character that's spiraling out of control. But the, the problem is, like, that's been done so much, and it's also it's just like it's such a part of baby boomer culture, and it's just like we were awesome, we were rebels. No one now could ever do anything as offensive as what we did, and it's like you guys weren't offensive, you guys weren't funny, you were just racist and sexist and stupid. You all suck. Yeah, you all suck. <laughs> and you're all garbage. Everyone born between 1945 and 1950. I want to exclude my parents from this. Except for our parents. Except for our parents, because parents, yeah. they all raise good people. But it's like, that's the thing. Like I, I really think the baby... There's a really good book about the baby boomers that I've read part of called The Generation of Sociopaths. And look it up. That's about right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind I can right. believe that. Yeah, no, that it's sounds about like, right. Uh, what did our what did their their grand their, what did their parents do our, our grandparents the greatest generation ever they survived a depression defeated Hitler and then for a victory lap went to the moon did the baby boomers go to the moon no they went to the disco here's crack cocaine and AIDS and they crashed the stock market crashed the stock market again twice like twice yeah eighty seven in yeah. uh, two thousand eight yeah. yeah yeah they suck yeah exactly so. Um, then I watched uh, the Night of the Living Dead 4K remastering, which is just a gorgeous, gorgeous thing, and we'll get into that uh, probably in a future episode when we watch it. Um, and last night, bringing us full circle to our um, to this month's Asian action uh, bent, I watched Itchy the Killer, the 4K restoration at the Tiff Bell Lightbox. It was actually a sold-out screening, which was crazy. Um, I forgot how offensive that movie was. The programmer of the event, Colin Geddes, um, said, if you're looking for a trigger warning, you should probably just leave right now. The movie is horrendous, but still it was, uh, came out during the tight of uh, height of the so-called torture porn uh, movies. It, pre- it preceded uh, it actually. It came out oh, in two thousand one. Okay. Um, oh, I mean released, I guess widely in. The... It, yeah, it, it got like a re-release around two thousand four, two thousand five. Like I have when the that stuff was in vogue. yeah, I have the twenty two thousand one, two thousand two DVD from um, I think it was Media Blasters that put it out or uh, Tartan Asian Asian Extreme. Um, and yeah, it is a gross, messed up movie, and yeah. it was a great night out at the theater. Oh, he also did audition. Yeah, he did, he did I remember, audition. I remember mm-hmm. writing audition. There was like this, like Eli Roth, like intro, like uh, of course, of course, yeah. See, that's the thing. I think Eli Roth watched his movies but didn't get them. Yeah, because like watching it this time, it's like you can clearly see like he's as much as he's like showing all this horrendous violence. If you cut any of it out you would almost make the violence exciting. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, the violence in this movie is ugly and not good. Like, no one was just, like, la- like the thing is, the movie is very funny, but it's also, like, the audience swung from, oh, God, I can't believe I'm watching, to, like, laughing out loud. Um, and there's different types of violence. Like, the- there's so much violence in this film and-, and rape and horrible stuff done. But, like, it it pivots between funny and disturbing and is all over the place tonally, but also just I have to say great in a way. Uh, out of five stars, what are you giving it? I think it's definitely in the four four zone. Four, four out of five? Four out of five, yeah. We, we should rate movies more often. No, I don't want to do that. No, you don't want to get no, into a rating? No, no. no. We're a positive podcast. 
you keep on saying that but yeah but you guys keep on hating yeah yeah you're the, the we're ha- just throwing a wrench in the that. hater side Sorry. of the film but anyways uh yeah 2001 directed by takashi miyakai from japan and isn't it a coincidence our movie tonight is also sort of from japan we're gonna be watching the 1980 classic shogun assassin when i was little my father was famous he was the greatest samurai in the empire. And he was the shogun's decapitator. He cut off the heads of 131 lords. It was a bad time for the empire. The shogun just stayed inside his castle and he never came out. People said his brain was infected by devils. My father would come home. He would forget about the killings. He wasn't scared of the Shogun, but the Shogun was scared of him. Maybe that was the problem. Then, one night, the Shogun sent his ninja spies to our house. supposed to kill my father but they didn't <laughs> that was the night everything changed sometimes we gotta fast and fast you niggas don't know where this shit started y'all know where it came from saying we're gonna take y'all back to the source the mountains yeah when the mcs came tell them about the names and to perform some what do you mean by sort of, Graham? Well, uh, normally when something like this is done to a film, it produces something awful that no one likes, but in this case, it actually worked out pretty well. Um, this film is actually a edited-together combination of the films, the first two films in the Lone Wolf and Cub series, of which there were six. Uh, the first one being The Sword of Vengeance, and the second one being Baby Cart and the River Styx. Um, and the originals were based upon the popular Lone Wolf and Cub comic book series in Japan. Um, and the originals were both directed by Kenji Misumi and star Tomasaburu Wakayama who uh, was famous for playing for being in the uh, Zatoichi the Blind Swordsman series of films of which there were about 26 of them made I saw one of those did you see the new one with uh, Takashi, uh, Beat, T- Beat Takashi? Beat Takashi? Oh, it or came K- out in mid-aughts. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a new one. Yeah, okay. yeah it, was, it was a good one. I liked it. I remember I watched it in university without subtitles because uh, one of the uh, international students got a, uh, a VCD of it, if you remember those. That was the Asian uh, competition to DVD, which was just movies on CDs. So super low quality, not very good. Do not remember those. Great at all. sound, though. I remember it was like a pretty high-profile release here. I think it was like yeah. Sony Pictures who like put it out. Or something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. They did. Like, I watched it was after it. the uh, yeah. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon yeah, success. I, I, yeah, they were definitely cashing mm-hmm. out. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was good. Um, uh, so the Americanized Shogun Assassin was produced by David Wiseman, who was a protege of Andy Warhol and a huge fan of the original Lone Wolf and Cub uh, film series. And he actually personally purchased the rights to the films from uh, Toho Studios. Uh, the producers of the Godzilla films for about $50,000 in the late 1970s. Um, 
He also produced The Killing of America, a film that we watched on, what was that, episode 20 or episode something? Was it 25? Episode 25, probably. Yes, our grimmest episode by, by yeah, far. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, not so fun episode. Um, but he also produced, uh, he's best known for producing the independent, the first well-known independent film hit uh, from the 1980s, The Kiss of the Spider Woman. Uh, which is not really talked about much anymore. Uh, With, uh, what's his face there? William Hurt? I think so. Yeah. I've never actually seen and Raul Julia. Raul yeah, Julia. Julia. Yeah, 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 those yeah, are yeah. the two co-stars. Mm -hmm. The credited director uh, is Robert Houston, who I guess oversaw the edit, uh, which was uh, done by Percy Lee. Um, but I don't really know how he got his director credit, but I guess he was the one that kind of synthesized it because the majority of the film is from the second film, Baby Cart and the River Sticks, with only 12 minutes from the first film, uh, The Sword of Vengeance, and it's all kind of edited together seamlessly. Like, you don't realize it's two different movies that you're watching uh, in in Shogun Assassin. It's definitely felt like, uh, feels like one whole movie, complete movie. Um, but Robert Houston, he uh, started off as an actor, most notably in The Hills Have Eyes, where he played the role of the son, Bobby. Um, he then went on to direct several independent teen comedies in the 80s, um, but he switched to documentaries in the 1990s after his partner died from AIDS in 1995. Um, most notably, uh, the short documentary Mighty Times, The Children's March, which was about the civil rights marches in Alabama in the 1960s. Uh, this film actually won the Oscar for Best Documentary Short back in 2005. Um, now, the film itself is mostly... Uh, oh, I already said that. Uh, the interesting thing is that the score of this film was scored by Mark Lindsay from Paul Revere and the Raiders, the uh, 60s kind of novelty uh, band. Garage. Garage novelty. Like they, they dressed as like Paul Revere and the Raiders. Um, they played, infamously played a cover of Louie Louie. Um, we'll probably put some of their tracks underneath this episode, but he wound up doing the soundtrack. Now, the interesting thing about the score is that it was actually stolen by Roger Corman for um, another for a film he produced called uh, what was it? Firecracker, which we watched on one of our lost episodes. Unfortunately, Ooh. yeah, it'll it'll go up eventually. Uh, Firecracker is actually screening the thirteenth episode. Oh, you remember that? Oh yeah, that's crazy. We have a couple lost episodes. We do, we do. They'll come out eventually. I really, I'm bummed that our Christmas Evil episode never made it to light. Or copycat. We can, we can, next Christmas, maybe our listeners. Next Christmas. Some, a double shot of a Christmas episode or something. Yeah, we can do it. A double long episode, because our episodes we'll aren't Christmas getting longer. Yeah. longer. We'll, we'll figure something yeah. out. Yeah, we'll do a Christmas month. Um, if we make it that far. Um, oh, we will. Okay. Uh, but um, anyways, it was stolen by Roger Corman for his film Firecracker without permission, and then they actually wound up having to pay the producers of this film money. But the crazy thing is, Roger Corman actually distributed Shogun Assassin. Um, as, so he, and as we uh, as mm -hmm. we mentioned in that episode, but since our listeners haven't heard that, it is also heavily used on um, Jizza the Genius's yeah, 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 yeah. Liquid, Liquid Swords. Yes, the Liquid Swords album. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, but it was referenced not from Firecracker, but from Shogun Assassin. Yeah, and it's also featured yeah. in Kill Bill Volume 2. <clears throat> um, they watch it and name check it yeah. in that film, but nobody ever watches Kill Bill Volume Two because you see Kill Bill Volume One and you're like, "That was great," and then you just go you on take with a your break day. and then you never get. Yeah. It. Yeah. So. Anyway, that's, that's. Anyways, we're about to watch the fantastic Shogun Assassin. I'm excited. I know. I've, I've heard this film for years without mm -hmm. ever having seen it. I am very stoked. Yeah, it is. It is a great film. It is actually was actually banned in Norway. Ooh, why? Um, why was it banned in Norway? 
something about the violence in it. It was actually banned in Britain until the year 2000, and funnily enough, when the... Um, Oh, it, was, Nor- it was a video oh, nasty? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, no, it actually wasn't a video nasty, sorry. In Norway, it was so illegal that if you owned a copy or watched a copy of it, you could face jail time. That sounds like a marketing stunt. That sounds <laughs> kind of racist, to be honest. I have a feeling yeah. if, the, if it was white people doing it, they might be okay. There, Yeah, there were some rumors that it was the... Uh, well, the- Burzum's out of prison now. He stabbed the guy in the head. Who? Black metal. Oh. We have to do a black metal episode. Yeah. We? Yeah, I love I love black metal because it's just it's it's like twelve Norwegian guys being like, "We are the lords of Satan. We oh, will burn the church down." It's a film called Black Metal. Is there a film called Black Metal? Oh, I thought this was true. No, 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 no. We're just talking about no. black metal subculture, in, yeah, in yeah. genre. But there's surely a documentary on the subculture. There is. Though, there, there is. There's, yeah. uh, there's one called Until the Light Takes Us, which is good. There was actually a narrative film that, that premiered at Sundance, uh, featuring Vag Vekas. The craziest black metal man of Zimbabwe. A.K.A. Burzum, yeah. A.K.A. Burzum. Oh, that's what, yeah. Convicted murderer. Burzum. He changed He's his done. name to, again? Well, like, Burzum was, like, his performative uh, music name. But Varg Vickers isn't his name either. Like, no, that's another I, created name. Yeah, and there's also, like, Craig, mm-hmm. also known as, like, Count Grishnacht or something yeah. like that. Count Grishnacht. Um, yeah. Oh, Varg Vickers. He's so... Ugh. Anyways, Shogun Assassin. Um... It was, yeah, it was banned in Britain until the year two. Th- it was banned in Norway. It was like considered, considered a controlled substance. It's ba- currently still banned in Germany, um, where it's, 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 it's okay if you own a copy or you view a copy, but it cannot be sold or distributed in Norway. So that's weird. Or no, sorry, Germany. Strange. Um, and in Britain, it was banned from 1983 up until the year 2000 when it was officially re- released. And on the cover of the Blu-ray release for... Um, MVHS release for the 2000 edition of Shogun Assassin. It had banned since 1983 on the cover. Nice. So it became a backwards uh, selling point. So without further ado, here is Shogun Assassin. Return to the vanished kingdoms of ancient times. Wizards and barbaric passions. Behold the saga of a legendary warrior, a loving father who has the power of a dozen armies in one sweep of his mystic blade. This is a story of honor, disgrace, vengeance. Massacre. And a man who became a demon. Shogun Assassin. Once, he was the greatest of the magnificent samurai. Now, he hunts the evil lords who butchered his wife and stained his honor. One man and one child defy the most notorious masters of death on the planet. Like father, like son, meets the greatest team in the history of mass slaughter. Monster. 
Nothing on Earth can match their infernal fury. Nothing on the screen can match this awesome spectacle of sword and sorcery. Assassin. And that was Shogun Assassin. All right, guys. So I think from minute one in this movie, you both were like, this is going to be great. Absolutely. And it was great. It was a solid film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like from minute one, when it was just sort of like, give in or die. And the, and the um, and Lone Wolf was just like, you will die. And he just kills everybody. It's great with this kid on his back. So, um, so yeah, guys. Let's. Uh, what are your thoughts on Shogun Assassin, Phil? Since you're falling this asleep, this was great. It was just you know like two movies. They just trimmed all the fat. Eighty minutes of. Uh, mm-hmm. You're in. You're out. Yeah. Who it's needs great. all that? Like just hanging around, plot talking about no, stuff. No, just just some solid exposition. Yeah. Uh, great score mm-hmm I know it's, it's very shocking to think that that came from the guy behind Paul Revere and the Raiders because the score itself I was just like man this could be sampled now for a hip-hop soundtrack or for a hip-hop album and it would be great and well if, if there was no RZA it I would know. be open well, well that's the thing I'm not as familiar with the Wu-Tang Clown's output but you guys are constantly like oh my god it's that sample from that song it, it's the one album Liquid Swords Liquid like, Swords yeah, okay like he's got Liquid Swords the, the title track which which begins the album um, and begins the movie as well yeah like the first 10 minutes of the movie like, I think literally every bit of dialogue yeah. and musical scores sampled throughout the so album so good yeah yeah and then you got uh, Duel of the Iron Mike and uh, the intro to Cold World, where he's talking to his wife briefly. Like, mm-hmm. she gets a cameo in the Jizza album, and then, of course, Fourth Chamber. And then I think it, it ends the album, too, with that, that really cool sample of the guy talking about uh, getting his throat slit and hearing that sound. Oh, yeah, your skill is unimaginable. Yeah. I always wanted to hear that sound, but never coming from my own neck. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, so good, so good. I know this whole this. And whole... that's the thing, like the the dubbing in this film was kind of added to my enjoyment. Now I've, I'm usually don't think that way. Yeah, I know. Normally, normally dubbing dubbing is bad, and like especially in like in Italian films, they they always had everyone speaking different languages while they were filming the movie. So like the dubbing is kind of like what it is. But in this film, they clearly shot in Japanese, and then whoever wrote the new script to dub to just did an awesome job of tying it all together because you would never know it was two separate films just from this one movie no not at no, all it, it was seamless yeah no it's really great mm-hmm. um yeah and just the, all the dubbing of just like my lady ninjas will will crush the uh the clarcelon of ha 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 so so many great like moments like that and as we discovered in the credits although they don't list uh who voices who but sandra bernhardt is yes the 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 famous comedian sandra bernhardt er, very early on in her career like this was done probably in 1979 uh recorded some of the female voices for this movie i'd like to think that she does the witchy laugh uh, yeah, I would like to think that too. Yeah. I, I think that's Didn't probably. Didn't sound like her, but no. I wasn't looking for her. I think no. it possible, but also it's like it's a much younger Sandra Bernhardt than we're than we're we're yes. used to. Like it's not like the 1990s it's Sandra Bernhardt. Yeah, habit. <laughs> she had one. Yeah. 
I'm yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. Well, it is funny. When you go back and listen to, like, people talking from, like, before they were famous, you're just like, oh, their voice sounds different. It's like, yeah, that's because they, like, didn't, their voice was still developing or something. It's well, I like, think uh, Al Pacino mm-hmm. is the prime. Oh, uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, the prime candidate for that. Godfather, was, yeah. Even Godfather 1 to Godfather 2 is amazing. He just sounds like Justin Hoffman. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, he sounds like a, like a young Italian guy. But then... By the time he gets to Godfather 3, it's all like this. By the time he gets to, like, Scarface, it's just sort of like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and granted he was doing a different accent, but, like, even, you know, Godfather 2, he's just sort of, like, not that young guy anymore, even though that was just a year ago. It's insane. I'm sure Gilbert Gottfried once had a normal voice. I would like to hear that. I kind of think Gilbert Gottfried almost, like, plays up his voice a bit. Yeah, he's like Bobcat Goldthwait in that kind of sense. Mm-hmm. It's also like Fran Drescher. Like, she occasionally talks without that, like, nasally thing. And you're just yeah. like, holy crap. Yeah, yeah, you watch Saturday Night Fever. And uh... mm-hmm. and it's just not there. Like, she no. totally played, played it up for affectation, and then it stuck. But some people's voice develops. Like, Leonard Cohen, for example. You listen to his first couple records, and you're like, I don't. That's a totally different guy. He wasn't the screaming teabag he was later on. Screaming teabag. That's how I like to put it. It sounds like a teabag screaming. <laughs> oh, I see. Not in I a see. bad way, but it's just sort of like a very mellow, you know, teabag screaming. It's like somebody shoveling gravel towards the end part of his yeah. career. It's just. Mm-hmm. Anyways, back to the movie Shogun Assassin. So, Kit, take us through the plot. Um. Well, the plot is delightfully simple. Mm-hmm. Um. He's he works for the Shogun, and then he's the, yes, he's a samurai for the Shogun. They one he, of the best killers around. As his son informs him, his uh, he is not afraid of the Shogun Master, but the mm-hmm. Shogun Master is afraid of him, and therefore, and therefore he that's that's the night everything changes. Yeah, um, they go and they try to take him down. Um, they yeah, only the Shogun manage, arrives. They kill his wife. They only manage to kill his wife. Um, he's able to save his son, kill mm-hmm. all the other assassins, and from that point forward, he becomes what his son calls a devil, which mm-hmm. I guess is a demon. Just but a it's demon, really, a it's demon. really a ronin. It's a masterless samurai. Yeah. And so from there, the samu- the shogun arrives and gives him an option: face my son in a duel, and if you survive the duel, you'll get your freedom. Which is the intro to Duel of the Iron Mike. And he wins the duel. Shock, he does. Shock but they, upon they don't shock. Give a fuck. And then they're just like. Well, your son didn't win the duel, so we'll take your son's <laughs> life. We'll torture him in front of you. That'll be your penance. He didn't read and the he's fine just, print. And like his whole response to that is like, well, screw that noise, and proceeds to kill all the Shogun's men. I love, uh, by the way, during this duel, where it's just him and another guy, and they face off, and they, uh, they, they run at each other with swords, he's able to place a reflective... Um, a star on his son's forehead. Something like that. So he, he ducks down at the right moment, and then his, his baby son is on his back. <laughs> and the sun during this, gleams this off fight. of the baby's reflector into the eyes of his opponent, blinds him temporarily, temporarily which allowing... allows Lone Wolf to cut his head off. Yes, it does. And the body walks around for a moment with blood spraying out of it in glorious fashion. But like a five minutes in slow motion and like the swords, uh, his sword is still uh, hanging well in the air. And... Mm-hmm. So, Phil, what happens after that? Uh, I can't quite remember. There's there's more decapitation. He basically is just on the run for after the rest that of the they movie. hit the road and they're yeah, in their, in their like cart he, of weapons, their baby cart of the weapons. Cart of weapons. Um, the the well, Shogun's brother goes to the, the Lady, the lady Ninjas. The Lady Ninjas. But, but before that, we, forget, we were forgetting, he actually has to give his son an option. He has a ball and a sword. Yes. And he tells his son, either join me 
in death. Or, or no, join no, your, join me, me or join your mother in death. Oh, it was, it was, choose no, the no, ball. No, no. It was, it was join your sword, mother, join me, join me in vengeance, or join your mother in heaven. I, I know this quote so good because I've, I've heard this record so often. But okay. um, choose the sword and join me. Choose the ball and join your mother in death. A um, toy ball. Yes. You don't and, understand my words, but you must choose. And the yes. boy chooses the sword. He chooses the sword, as he should. And that kicks off the whole... Fourth chamber. Sure. Okay. I guess so. <laughs> Ghostface Killer jumps on the mic, and it's a, it's a banging track. Cool. We're gonna. I'm gonna throw that down right now. Then. <laughs> um. But yeah, so then they go on their on their thing, and like basically the the lone wolf is working as an assassin for hire, and I love how he is called. He like passes a temple of death. Yeah, and if is. there is a note attached with the with the sign of the wolf upon it, he will then lay several stones, and that will indicate that he is nearby. This movie has the best narration, which which I think Phil described as a bit precocious at times, but mm-hmm. and it is. But it's just the, the the little boy who I guess is advanced in age, so I guess he's narrating it from when he's an eight year old. But during the he movie, even says at a certain point he can't really remember it. He just remembers yeah. there are people coming after him constantly. But uh, in the in the movie, he's only a toddler ever. Uh, the, the 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 cub. Uh, but the narration is all from the cub's point of view. It's all this little boy just saying, "Now my father did this, and this was the reasons that he did this." And whenever he passed by a church, he had to lay down stones. And all of this, it's great. Super great. Um, yeah, and so then Phil, after that, the Lady Ninjas. Yes, uh, the Lady Ninjas, uh, they're recruited. And uh, and they prove their mental by slicing the best man of the Shogun's brother's army to death in front of them. It was a pretty vicious takedown. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they left him armless, legless, noseless, mouthless, airless. Uh, and, there, and they there stabbed are so many him. flying decapitations. Mm-hmm. I like lost track at some point. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's bound to be like legs and, and uh, feet flying mm-hmm. around constantly. Yeah. But then when the lady ninjas attack the shogun. Well, before then, yeah. you know, the, the, our our lone wolf gets hired by these people in this church the rebels, like, yeah. the, the shogun's brother is just as bad and he's bringing in these what do they call scum ninjas the ninja scum ninja scum, ninja scum which we're going to we're going to develop well, yeah. we promise listeners we're going to develop a band mm-hmm. with that name because it's too awesome to yeah. pass up ninja um, but scum. they're like the, he's bringing in this ninja scum to attack you and we need you yeah, to take if out if they don't if they don't overtax yeah because they need you be- to take out the shogun's brother and this i guess um uh, stands it as mm. the backbone for the film's and, plot. And again, tying it into the current uh, conservative ideology, it's the uh, <laughs> it's course, the wealthy yeah. taxing the poor to make them more wealth to make the the rich more wealthy, and so. Um, our hero Lone Wolf stands as the lone left-wing voice of reason to cut through the bureaucracy with his samurai sword of justice. Agreed, yes. Yeah. So he is uh, enlisted to kill the Shogun's brother, 
and the Lady Ninjas, as they're called, it's their name, not ours. The Lady Ninjas are in our uh, commission to kill Lone Wolf. And they're pretty badass, they're as pretty we badass, saw. Yeah. But unfortunately, but, uh, Lone Wolf is Lone Wolf. Their main problem is that they, they come at them all at once, like they've got one, like, Oh, we're going to wear a bunch of crazy patterns that are going to set your eyes on fire, mm -hmm. and then we're going to attack you when your Very eyes... Very psychedelic patterns. Yeah. 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 And mm -hmm. then that doesn't work. They they kill them all. So then right behind them is just... We're a just a bunch of, of flower ladies. We just have bok choy, yeah. We've just got some bok choy and some, some other uh, and vegetables. And they start throwing the bok choy at them, and inside <laughs> the bok choy are knives. So that, like the, the one, one big piece of bok choy like embeds itself in the baby cart. Yes. And at this point... Like the the shogun like takes out two of the bok choy assassins, but then the baby himself actually just sort of hits a button. And well, a, well, what mm -hmm. uh, what uh, Lone Wolf does is he kicks the the cart with the baby yeah. towards a bunch of the uh, the lady assassins, and then at the very right moment, the lone the cub he I guess he hits one of the bamboo shoots. It's a button. Yeah, there's a button in the in the cart. The cart's almost like a Home Alone trap. Come to like it's like yes. a Home Alone ha house on wheels. It's always got something extra. Yeah. Yeah, so like he hits a button, a blade comes out, and it's it, like uh, the Batmobile, basically. It yeah. really is. It's it's the Batmobile in the Tim Burton uh, Batman movie. Yeah, always has something to it. So then he kills one of them, and then there's the final lady ninja, who just throws a net on him, and like that's the biggest like blowback. She almost gets him. I she all yeah. should have used nets. Yeah, they all should have <laughs> used nets. Who would have thought nets versus Achilles heel? But he. Uh, manages to like actually break free and throw, swings his sword at her but she actually catches the sword and then in a slick move somehow jumps out of her disguise and then just moonwalks away really really fast yeah she's she's great yeah and that's it and the, the shogun's just like i guess i'll have that, to battle her another yeah, day. Like, i guess that <laughs> happened yeah she's like wearing like almost like a cat burglar outfit yeah but so. the uh i think we're missing for our uh, listeners are the expressions on the faces of the uh the people as he kills them which is oh, always some variation of like, oh, f really? <laughs> well, it's like it's like it's like it's like surprise and, and admiration. Like, I am totally shocked this happened, but your skill is amazing. I didn't realize that your son carried two samurai swords with him. Damn. Yes, your son who's eighteen months old. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's there's also like a sort of like inevitable disappointment. Like, okay. Yeah, you got me. You got me. Uh, it's off to death for me. Uh, sword through my neck. That's how I go. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh yeah, that was the best one. When the girl got yeah, yeah, when the girl got the sword through the neck and like blood spraying around, the look on her face is just like, really, <laughs> really, <laughs> this is how it's gonna happen. Rude. Like literally in one second. And with with the same stroke, you you yeah, you, you got both of us. You got into my neck. What the motherfucking Christ! And You're then killing me like I'm a mere mortal. <laughs> yeah. And so then like and actually like afterwards, there's a scene of them like after he drops them lying on the ground, and they're both kind of like just slowly dying, and the look on their face is just like, oh god, we just we just didn't think about this at all, did we? <laughs> I thought the movie was about us. Yeah. Lady Ninjas, come on, that's great. Um, that would be a good movie, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, should we watch like Lady Snowblood sometime? Yeah. Not that I've seen any of those, but. Yeah, no, Lady Snowblood is a, is a classic. Oh, mad one. We see your trap. You can never escape your fate. Submit with honor to a duel with my son. I agree. I see you using an old style. I want to 
wondered where you'd learned it from. You know very well. It's yours too. <laughs> I forgot. Will you show me? Hey, hey, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Sorry, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, dun, 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 dun. because because Graham, Phil, and I care too much about our troops and our national anthem and our big wet president, we have boycotted the Super Bowl. But Lillian, she doesn't care about those things, so she wants to go see it. Not really. But the superb owl reigns strong. Oh, well, yes. Bless the owl, please. (sighs) Cut, edit, edit. No, no, no. Is uh, Adam Sandler still playing for that team that he played in in Happy Gilmore? Yeah, I no. think I think it's he, the water boy. The water boy, yeah. In water boy, yeah. Yeah, he's still playing. For and them. Henry Winkler is coaching the Patriots right now. Henry Winkler is, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's correct. I don't, I'm not sure where this joke is going, but Burt Reynolds is is, is on the team. That was well. the longest yard. Yeah, both the original a, and the remake. It's, it's a prison team, and, mm-hmm. uh, they and they're playing the guards. Yeah, it was actually a three team. Three uh, team, affair, I think. nice. Yeah, dance, yeah. That was very exciting. You don't really see three-way matches outside of uh, professional <laughs> wrestling, but yeah, like I'm, uh, yeah, the third team just coming in, like, oh god, there's a third uh, end zone. They allowed grenades in this one too, yeah. which is uh, controversial, of course. But and the uh, the players could actually stab each other. With well, knives. they've been able to do that for a few years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's what they do with their girlfriends, anyways. So. Gosh, Graham, dark. Look it up, folks. <laughs> it's happened. Um, back to the movie at hand. Uh, speaking of stabbing things, um, let's forget about the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So then we wind Shogun up. Shogun Assassin on, um, was much better, I think. Yeah, yeah. It much I think it was a much more better use of our time. So then we uh, wind up on. Is it a boat or no? After that. Oh, it is a boat. Yeah. That's yeah. after. That's after the Shogun. Well, uh, so, no, so um, in that one battle, Lone Wolf, he takes a little damage. He takes a little damage. He's kind of worn out. So then he goes down for. He finally goes to sleep because like as his son says he his father never sleeps but he does so his, his dad gets a little nap and in that time uh, the cub brings him some water and some cakes and uh, then is lured away by the sounds of singing which kind of like distracts him and then uh, and as Lone we Wolf know wakes up. because um, mm-hmm. the, the head of the lady ninjas and the shogun's brother and they're talking about how are we going to get this uh, lone wolf he's yeah. too good and they're like his, the key is through his son the key is through his son take away his son and his power is gone so we know they're going to try to lure his son away and so when, as soon as the singing starts you, 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 know, you sense what's happening yeah and uh, this leads us up to the scene of the cub being dangled above a well a deep well mm-hmm. and so there is the last of the lady ninjas the shogun's brother and some other henchmen and what happens here Phil? the shogun's henchmen on the boats? no oh, no, 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 no no we're talking about the well scene ah uh, yes uh, so uh, in order to test the gravity of a uh, the well. No, to see how long, well. how long it takes, well. or how long it takes for something to fall into the into the well. Yeah. Uh, the boy drops his uh, sandal. Mm-hmm. And then the game is on. So in this time, Lone Wolf slashes to death the Shogun's brother, all of the henchmen, and then step on the rope. And just as the uh, just as the baby like 
touches the water and then with one hand he rises the baby up from the bottom of the well wrings out his clothes and never like breaks eye contact with the um with the lady ninja and this is sowing the seeds of a potential love interest dun 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 oh what yeah with the, with the lady ninja oh, okay yeah that does Cause, happen cause, like because the baby even says like i don't know why my dad spared her but maybe she reminded him of someone someone who is probably the baby's that's mom that's right yeah yep so then they wind up on a boat and on this boat that's where they finally meet those three wacky guys larry curly and moe the three stooges aka the masters of death yeah who have awesome straw hats yeah they have three awesome straw hats one guy has the claw another guy has the nailed fists and the third guy has the spiked club and the claw thinks Shredder. And it's hard to tell yeah. whether these guys are bad or good at the beginning. They're at least bad. it was for no, me. I know, I know, but we were also talking during the movie. So they were clearly shown to be the um, the the like upper echelon of Shogun, of the Shogun's personal like defense league. And on the boat as well, there are like a group of rebels that attack the Masters of Death. And the Masters of Death just kind of like wipe them out. And then the Shogun kind of like walks up and he's like, yeah, I guess you guys are all right. And uh, later on that night, while drinking sake... Yeah, they have a great scene. Yeah. yeah. The Masters of Death throw a light um, uh, knife, which skins the nose of someone on the ship. We don't know who it is. Um, and then the Shogun takes the knife and throws it back at them, but it goes right back into the holster for the knife. And it kind of shows the the Masters of Death like, oh, we know who this guy is. Yeah. He's a lone wolf. Um, so the guy that gets his nose shaved off, he kind of takes... Um, takes offense at this and decides to burn the whole boat down while it's still in the water. The Masters of Death come to Lone Wolf and tell him, we know who you are, but right now we're on a mission. So as long as you don't interfere, we won't hurt you. Yeah, we, we got other things going yeah. on, but yeah, we'll get we to you eventually. We got fish to fry but... than you. And this is the first time in the whole movie where like Lone Wolf is just kind of like, oh, I guess I'm not the most important thing going on in the uh, the Shogun's mind right now. And so he throws... Um, I guess in the uh, in the movies, I don't know if you know this, Graham, but in the mm-hmm. Lone Wolf and Cub movies, we get to see more of what the Masters of Death are up to. But Oh, really? You yeah. looked up a little trivia right no, there? No, I didn't. I'm, I'm asking you because I assume you know no. all these things. No, no, I think I think the Masters of Death are just they're just that the Masters of Death they're three badass guys who can kill anyone except more for than three. Of them. There's three. There's three. Yeah, they they fight like there's more than three. they fight like there's more. Than, yeah, they tend to be at multiple places at once. They, they have official uh, Master of Death certification. Yeah, uh, you can't get the hat without. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's an epic. It's like a. It's, it's kind of like the Catholic Church, you know. It's, it's a fancy hat. It's a straw hat that looks like it might be a good a lampshade or kind a bell. It's like a bell or yeah. a lampshade, yeah. A cross between. Mm-hmm. So then the the Shogun throws the baby cart over overboard with the baby in it. He gets out as well. And then they're pursued underwater by that last lady ninja. And like she's like got a knife out and is ready to stab him. And he's like seriously. And he's basically like, are you seriously going to try and stab me while we're swimming for our lives right now? So he gets the knife away from her and takes her in and then they both they all three get to shore and make it into this kind of like i guess abandoned shed of somewhat and there's a very uncomfortable scene where kit and phil are both kind of like graham what is lone wolf doing because he undresses himself and his boy to get his cold wet clothes off 
and then goes to the woman and starts ripping away her clothing. And I'm like, guys, just wait. Just L- wait. Lone Wolf is not good at verbalizing his intentions. No, no except when it's like, I will destroy you. Yeah. that's <laughs> Even then, it's pretty... Uh, even then, he just kind of like lets the sword do the talking. Trite. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so it kind of seems like he's attempting to uh, sexually assault the lead lady ninja. But in reality, what he's trying to save her. He's trying to save her. Body warmth. Body warmth because it's so cold. It's freezing cold. So they like draw their bodies together to keep warm. And then we get this weird scene where his son is like, I'm gonna tap tap some nipples now. Now he taps. Yeah, his son basically. (laughs) The father won't rest, so he taps his father's chest to be like, Hey, cut it out, relax. And then the lady ninja goes to reach for the father's sword, and he taps her chest, and it's kind of like, Hey, relax. But it's really just for like, was this just a scene added to show some boob? It probably was. There's a lot of weirdness in this movie that like we don't really get as North American audiences, but I think was really eaten up when it was uh, released on the Grindhouse circuit in New York City uh, in the in the early 80s. Well, whenever they show boob in this movie, it's never for some uh, sexual reason. It's always like at the very start oh, of the yeah, movie, mother feeding a child, yeah, she's yeah. feeding her child, feeding, and she yeah. just kind of scoops her breast out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this scene that you're describing, where the little boy is just awkwardly just like, hey, 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 hey stop it, yeah. So, yeah, some weirdness. Um, but, yeah, and then uh, after that, we see the Masters of Death as they're protecting the Shogun's brother going through the Shogun's other brother. Um, or, no, I guess that original guy was not the Shogun's brother, but the Shogun's brother, like, going through some kind of, like, sand dune. And in it, they reveal that hiding underneath the sand are all these rebels. The Masters of Death just murder the heck out of them. And then they're like, all right, we killed all those guys. Yeah, like they're being pulled out uh, due to the claws. He's just pulling those guys, a couple of those guys out by their scalps. It's pretty yeah. badass. Like, it looks like a pretty plain desert to, yeah. to and then he like, Graham. Yeah. And he just uh, strikes his claw into some into random sand, spot. And all and of a sudden, blood, blood starts, starts yeah. to pool. And then he pulls a guy out by his scalp, and it's awesome, and it's bloody and gory. Um... And then after they've killed the rebels, they're kind of like, all right, we're the masters of death. We just killed those guys. And they look, and they see little cubs standing up on the top of a sand dune, and he just kind of points over, and they look over, and there is Lone Wolf, our shogun assassin. And he just kills the crap out of the masters the of death. The cinematography in this film, it's which really I guess good. is the cinematography in the original uh, yeah. series films, but uh, it's really, yeah, it was reminiscent, I thought, of... Uh, Leone? Leone. I don't know who his cinematographer was, but... Um, very yeah. similar to those kind of uh, like the Man with No Name trilogy. Yeah, lots of great wide shots, uses of negative space, lots of like framing characters at the far end of the. Like I, I couldn't imagine watching this on a VHS tape where it was pan and scan, because like there's so many great. No, you scenes. need those epic wide shots. Yeah, for sure. Even um, watching like because the thing is like this is a as a scope movie, so it's super wide. Um, so yeah, like there are certain shot scenes where like the characters are on the far ends of the screen and they're very small in the distance. Um, and then, of course, the fight between the Masters of Death and Lone Wolf leads to the quote that you're quite fond of, Kit. Oh, the... Uh, the, the... the I've always wanted to master that skill and to hear the sound of blood spurting out of the neck. But now that I hear it coming out of my neck, it's, it's just ridiculous. It lies down and die. Heard, they say. 
I'd always hoped to cut someone like that someday. To hear that sound. But to have it happen to my own neck is ridiculous. I love the dude who does the dubbing for that. Mm-hmm. I just get the, the raspy voice. Uh, it's basically the end of the uh, Liquid Swords album, but uh, then there's yeah. a bonus track, so it's kind of the intro to that bonus cool. track as well. Well, my f- uh, my favorite thing after this is when he finally confronts the. Well, he kills off the the actual guards around the Shogun. Like there's nothing. Like they just, he cuts them like their paper, and then he gets and opens up like this carriage that he's being carried in. And the Shogun's brother is like, if you do this, it will greatly upset the Shogun. And then Lone Wolf says, The Shogun mean nothing to me. Yes, exactly. The Shogun means nothing to me. And kills the Shogun's brother. And then him and Lone Wolf, or Cub, or him and Cub, walk off into the distance. Walk off into the distance, and that's the end of credits. the film. Like, freeze, freeze frame. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to credits. Cut to that awesome theme, which is actually Lone Wolf's theme. Uh, composed by the guy from Paul Revere and the Raiders. I only wrote down a couple quotes because I started taking notes way too late in this film. Yeah, because um, we were too absorbed by it. Uh, yeah, 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 it doesn't happen often. I wrote down the Shogun mean nothing to me, and I also wrote down, and I can't remember the, quite the context, maybe you guys can fill me in, how could you throw your sword? Oh, yeah, that was when <laughs> that was when he kills one of the guy, like one of the masters of death, and the Shogun is just sort of like, because his whole thing, the whole thing is like, you don't let go of your sword, you don't let your sword get taken away from you. And so the whole the thing you never expect is for a samurai to actually throw his sword, and so when Lone Wolf does it, it's just sort of like, what? You just broke the rules of swords. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a basketball, it's like it's a basketball player using like springs on his, on his shoes, like, wait, what? You can't do that. <laughs> or strategically placing like a trampoline or but, something. I, but I think the, uh, the thing to keep in mind is that the Shogun Assassin, Lone Wolf, he's not the cheater. He's actually playing by the rules the entire time. When they kidnap his son and, and tie him up, he's like, you cheaters. That's exactly yeah, what he exactly. says. Because you, you take away my son, you know, you, you've got me at a disadvantage here. And, yeah, and exactly. also, like, there's like four of them and one dude and like a toddler. It's just, yeah, this movie's great. Um, so, guys, Phil, what are your final thoughts on Shogun Assassin? Loved it. Yeah, there's really no other words for it than Dude, loved. That's it, yeah, yeah. It's just... 80 minutes of just nonstop. Bliss. Yeah. yeah. Kit, what are your uh, what are your final thoughts on Shogun Assassin? It's a it's a rare film these days since I stopped working at Blockbuster um, eight years ago <laughs> when they went under. Um, that I actually want to own a film, but I, I feel like I want to own this film. I feel like that needs to be added to the collection. Yeah, yeah. It's it's great. And we also there's a very long Samuel L. Jackson interview on the Blu-ray that I uh, we actually fine. shut off. He it was, was just it was like he was like one of us. Yeah, he, he's just a huge fan, and he actually saw it during its original run on 42nd Street in New York City in the early 80s. And he famously bought from like I think Chinatown or some some small dealer. Um, and please, I know this is a Japanese movie, but but Chinatowns all over North America tend to sell just movies from the Asian market. I bought Korean films from Chinatown. I bought it Japanese sense, films from right? Chinatown. Yeah, yeah. Course, yeah, yeah. They cater to like people that kind of look like them. Um, but um, 
he um, he basically sort of bought. Well, they cater to us. Yeah, they cater to us. As guys who want to buy films. Yeah. But Samuel L. Jackson actually bought like a VHS tape of Shogun Assassin, or what was told it was Shogun Assassin, but it was actually the first Lone Wolf and Cub movie, Sword of Vengeance. So he was like, wait. What is this? What's all this extra stuff? I don't know what this is. There's none of this, like, the soundtrack's different. He, he was ready for the dubbing, mm-hmm. and he didn't hear the dubbing. He just saw yeah. the subtitles. He had exactly. Them, so, yeah. Now, the third film in the series, um, Baby Cart to Hades, I think is what it's called. Awesome Baby Cart to yeah. Hades. Is, was actually released, I think, on video as Shogun Assassin 2. And that's not as much, as not as much work was put into it as there was into the original Shogun Assassin, because it's essentially just an English dub of Lone Wolf and Cub 3. Now, I want to point out, on the back of the Blu-ray case, there is a warning here. It says, warning, contains violence, nudity, and extremely hypertensitive villains. What does hypertensitive mean? Um, I guess... Hyper intense is is the word they were going, but I think they invented something there. I'm looking it up right now. There's a, there's a book that we carry at my bookshop that was described by one of the pull quotes as delirious, deliciously violent or dangerously violent. I'm like, how is that a good thing? That sounds terrible. Oh, kid, you know I like like the deliriously violent things. But in a book form. Sorry, hypertensive, not hypertensitive. Hypertensive is still. Pill? It's known as high blood no. pressure, a, lo- a long-term medical condition in which the blood pressure in the arteries is persistently elevated. Oh, this, because this they... This film's going to raise your blood the, pressure. No, 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 no. They say the villains are have high blood pressure because every time they get cut, <laughs> blood sprays out like a geyser. Oh, that makes sense. That does happen. A lot in this movie, yeah. Um, and for my final thoughts, I, I just dig this movie. I'm really enjoying our Asian action month so far, even though we're only two weeks in. Um, there's wait, what was our first movie? Tiger on the Beat. It was of only course. sorry, we did that two weeks ago because uh, I was busy with work. Um, although it'll seem seamless to you guys because it's going to be one week after the other. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. Like Tiger on the Beat was a lot of fun. This movie is a lot of fun. Our next movie is uh, pacing wise, it's a little off, but but it's so good. It's one of my personal favorites. Um, the old Ouija board has come down and spelled out the words. Is it all six hours of, of uh, John Woo's Red Flag? No. Oh. No, it's another John Woo film. Or the first John Woo film we've actually watched on this podcast. It is his 1988 film. Or 87? 87? One of those years. A Better Tomorrow Part 2. Oh, more Wu-Tang references. Yes, exactly. So it is the sequel to A Better Tomorrow, which launched the career of Chow Young Fat and John Woo to a degree. Um, so that's coming next week, and it is going to be awesome. I am so psyched to show you guys. It's to gunfights what this movie is to sword fights. I'll put it that way. Um, so we're jumping back. Dual wield gunfights? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sure there will be doves aplenty. Not that many doves, actually. Okay. Yep. So uh, it was it was kind of before John we went dove heavy. Um, so uh, we're jumping back from Japan to Hong Kong. As for our fourth and final movie of, I'd like to be a filmmaker that has a dove heavy period. Dove heavy period. <laughs> nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety eight. I think I really peaked with Face Off uh, for John Woo. Yeah. Was there and, a lot of doves in Face Off? Oh yeah. Been a while so Mission <laughs> Impossible Two as well. There's lots of doves in that. Yeah. I remember when that showed happened in Mission Impossible. I'm like, what is this movie? <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one next week, folks. So, uh, please tune in. We'll hopefully have Lillian back in the saddle at that point. So for death by video, 
I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I've been Graham. Please be sure to rewind, and we will see you next time. Thank you very much for listening. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and uh, like us on, uh, listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And check out our Snapchat channel. We have a Snapchat channel? No, we don't, actually. Okay. But we've got a fresh Twitter account. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. That yeah, that kid maintains and tweets every day. I don't do four that. Four times but a day. At, at Death by Video Pod. At Death by Video Pod on yes. Twitter. Death by Video Pod. Death by Video on Instagram. Please, please follow us. It'll give me the confidence to Shoot us an email at Death by Video Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, and, you know, follow us on Facebook at Death by Video Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to rewind. We'll see you next time. Bye. Don't rewind. Yeah, they still play hide and seek The things seek for the crack And they hide and let the cops peek Grown folks say they should be out on their own Before the gangs come and blow up their mom's home Because their lifestyle is hectic So fucking hectic Bow, 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 bullets are ejected My lifestyle was so far from well Could've wrote a book with a title Age 12 and going through hell Then I realized the plan I'm trapped in a deadly video game With just one man So I don't only watch my back I watch me front Cause it's the niggas who front, they be pulling stunts Back on the Ave, up Livonia in Bristol with a pistol Sticking up Pamela and Crystal You know your town is dangerous when you see the strangers Kid, come home from doing the bit and nothing changes What is the meaning of crime? Is it criminals robbing innocent motherfuckers every time? Little shorties take walks to the schoolyard Trying to solve the puzzles to why is life so hard And as soon as they reach the playground, pow! Shots ring off and now one of them lay down so hard to escape the gunfire I wish I could rule it out like an umpire But it's an everlasting game And it never ceases to exist Only the players change So, I got your back But your best to watch your front Cause it's the niggas who front Baby pulling stunts I got your back But your best to watch your front Cause it's the niggas who front Baby pulling stunts I got your back But your best to watch your front Cause it's the niggas who front Baby pulling stunts I got your back But your best to watch your front Cause it's the niggas who front, baby pulling stuff. I got your back, but your best to watch your front. Cause it's the niggas who front, baby pulling stuff. I got your back, but your best to watch your front. Cause it's the niggas who front, baby pulling stuff.
Ridiculous. <laughs> 